House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back, everyone. This is the House of Run podcast. Our email address is houseofrun at gmail.com if you'd like to write in with your questions, with your thoughts on anything in the running world, or if you want to send me recommendations for where to go, what to see, what to eat in Philadelphia. Please send them quickly because I'm going to the Penn Relays in about a week, Jason, and I'm very excited. I've always wanted to go to the meets, and this year I'm going to do it. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm excited for you. Meanwhile, I'm going to be in Austin this week. Mm. So that's first fun. time for you. Yeah. So that way, when you say Jason, you've been to Austin? Yeah, I have. Absolutely. Yeah. This is going to be exciting. We're doing our annual, uh, retreat conference. Yep. Seminar. <laughs> Ted Talk. All of them. All at once. Jason and I are going to sit down, put our heads together. We're tired of this remote stuff. We're sitting face-to-face. You're going to have your wife. I'm going to have a couple kids with me. It's going to be very productive. Yep. Um, all right. A couple things to mention. This Week in Track, got a new episode. It's episode 13. We're already on episode 13. Killing Jason. Uh, this one, I did eight takeaways from the Boston Marathon, including I reveal who the real MVP of the race was. Wow. Hint. They weren't running the race. Have to check that out on YouTube or on FlowTrack to find out. Um, I do that podcast, but it was a Friday, live on YouTube, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Central. You can check it out. And, uh, yeah, stay tuned for all the, the Pen Relay stuff coming because I'm going to be doing some commentating, some interviews, some videos. It's going to be awesome. I want to just immerse myself in the Pen Relay's experience because I've been spoiled, Jason. I've gotten to go to a lot of cool meets, right? Been to the old Hayward Field. I've been to NCAA championships. I went to the Doha World Championships. One of very few people to actually be there to That's see true. the Doha World Championships. Small number. There's very few things out there. I mean, I've been to major marathons. There's a short list of places I still want to get to. Now, you could say, Kevin, you haven't really been anywhere in Europe. And I'll tell you, hey, I went to the Doha World Championships, though. That's atmosphere with a capital A. All right? And yeah, I want to go to all those stadiums. But living in the U.S., watching the Penn Relays on TV for many years, hearing about it for as long as I've been involved in the sport, it's one of those ones that really jumps out at me. So I'm very excited to go. I've only been to the city once. And uh, yeah, I, that's why I just want to soak it in. It's, it's, it's rare that I go to a place and I'm just like, I just want to do everything constantly. And that's that's how it's going to be with this meet. For no, me. absolutely, yeah. I mean, like the, the meet's great. The city, by you know, a lot of awesome stuff to do. Good mm-hmm. food. That's 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 exciting. Conshohocken adjacent, too. That's, I mean, that's the big thing. If it was a fun fest, I mean, I know they don't want to compete with the pen relays because then the pen relays will be empty. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it would that would be that'd be the ultimate. It's like the fun fest of track and field. That's what the pen Ooh, relays. That's what it should. That, that it should is. be the tagline. Yeah. It's like the Fun Fest, but involving a track meet and in a bigger city. Um, on today's show, we'll recap Boston. We'll talk about Mount Sac, some NCAA highlights, and of course, get into email and voicemail. Did you watch Boston Live or did you catch it after? I did. I, I, I 
uh, was about about five five miles in is when I when I got all set up. So not gotcha. too bad. Gotcha. All right. So five, you didn't miss. Well, you missed CJ Albertson. That's true. I, I, you know, they kept focusing on him for a while after that, and I'm like, okay, he must have done something. Um, <laughs> I'm on to this Albertson guy. What's he up to? Yeah, but but outside of that, I mean, it was uh, especially the women's race uh, was women's race fully lived up to the hype. Men's race was you know good, but mm-hmm. not maybe not like an all time kind of race like the the field let us mm-hmm. maybe to think, uh, but still very very happy with it. Let's start with the women's race yes, because definitely. you're right. It did it did live up to it. It didn't go the way we thought. Like I thought it was going to end up being between Jip Koskai and Jip Cheerchir. It ended up being between Jip Cheerchir and Yeshina. And Yeshina's really fast herself, especially in the half. She's run 64 in the half. Hadn't had necessarily that big marathon moment yet, especially in a field that had three women who had 217 PBs. But it wasn't as if it was some huge underdog story that she was there. You know, we know how much you like fast half marathoners. You probably would have put some money down on Yeshina. But I, what, six, seven times during that race was like, oh, she's got it this time. <laughs> well, the lead changes were, yeah. Yeah. And, like, and Jeff Je- Je- Cheer Cheer, I mean, it's partially the way she runs. She always looks like she's about to fall over from exhaustion. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it's just the style of running because obviously she yeah. had enough to, to win the race. But Yeshina looked the most relaxed. Like it was, and I was just like, "Oh, wait, she's gonna take this because like she countered every Jeff Cheer Cheer move, mm-hmm. um, which Jeff Cheer threw some crazy moves out there. Um, there was one where she sprint like I mean, she she pulled the Allen Webb like twenty two second two hundred, uh, <laughs> the twelve eight hundred. Yeah, it was. Stretch. I was just like, "What is happening? Like it was so yeah. quick, and she just and then but no panic, no anything. Uh, like I said, I thought Yeshina had it multiple times, but mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Cheer Cheer." I, right now, she's got to be number one. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into ranking them after we yeah, talk about fair. the race itself. I want you to just think, Jason. I want people at home, close your eyes, think. When I tell you this, try to rack your brain. Go, go to childhood memories if you need to. But try to think of something that you have hated more. And Jep Cheer Cheer hated the prospect of having to lead that race. Just try to think of it. Because she did everything she could not to lead that race. I mean, I know there were lead changes, but they were pretty reluctant lead changes. Yeah. And there was a lot of conversation between the two, a lot of heel clipping, a lot of ha- you know stride getting chopped up because she didn't want to take the lead. It just looked – after about the third or fourth time – I agree with you. Yeshina's form looked better. It, she looked more composed. She looked ready to pounce at any moment. But after the fourth time, like after that, uh, like the break, and then she got caught, but then she didn't get dropped. I was like, all right, I, I have a feeling. I think Jep Cheers got this, but she just she seems so reluctant, so hesitant to want to take the lead. Yeah, I think she 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 was playing it like. You know, she was a fifteen hundred meter runner who knew she had the best. She was, but she was Mo Ferry in it almost. Like she was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, like, no, I don't need to get out and like just like give me a quarter to go, yeah, so I can make my move and, and finish this off." Like all this stuff before this is is kind of annoying. Like I don't want to just do the work and then mm-hmm, I will mm-hmm. I will emerge victorious. When she had that big, I think we're referring to that same moment 
with a couple minutes left. I don't even remember how, how much. Like, there was a noticeable gap. Yeah, there was less than 10 minutes left probably, right? Right. At that point, did you think Yeshinet was done? Because I did. Well, when she made the move, I was like, okay, that's it. Yeah, like because I was just like, that's, you know, she went, or, not early, obviously. She was pretty no. late. Uh, mile 24, took off real she early. She waited um, 24 miles to la- lay the perfect trap. But yeah, just how aggressively she went. And I was like, okay, well, that's going to be it. But it wasn't long after that that the gap stopped. Yes. So it, it got to 10 meters, whatever yeah. it is. And then it was like, okay, it was sitting there, and I was like, okay, well, she, at least she's, you know, she's not going to let her go completely. But I still thought it was over. And then it was within 15 seconds later, I was like, oh, no, this is, they're going to be neck and neck again. Yeah. And at that point, I thought Yeshina was going to win because she took that move, mm-hmm. just completely sat on it like no big deal. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And kept going. And I was like, oh, wow, that, that had to be more painful for Jip Cheer Cheer than it was for Yeshina. Well, I think there becomes a point in any race where they think like people just start to think about am I by race I mean marathon on this side um on this on this topic but you could probably say it in a 5 or a 10 where they start to think all right why are we fighting we know this is going to come down to the end and everybody just starts waiting for that one last push but there's no set determined spot of like where the one last push has to come from you know what I'm saying? So it's like yeah. it gets into the game theory thing where they're like, all right, well, am I going to go? Are you going to go? And then they just wait and wait and wait. And in this case, it resulted in this high drama. It was just – it ended up being back and forth and back and forth. But it, And if you look at the pace early on in this race, even up to – I don't even remember. Was it – how long were they on course record? I was just going to say like pace. at least 30K, right? And then it – and then it just drifted. I mean, it's was it two nineteen high. Am I remembering it right? De- Buznesh Debas. Yeah, yeah. And at one point they were just sub two nineteen pace, like past the halfway point. They were on that pace. Yeah, and there's hills and blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, and, blah. and like, and at the same time though, like because it's you could say okay, they, the pace obviously did drop and it you know it, it it settled down pretty good. But at the same time, it did to me it didn't feel like they resigned it to be like hey let's wait for the last mile. It was just like. There was a couple little things here and there that they were trying to push, and they said there's some tough moments of that course that happened right there. Yeah, yeah. And it seemed like, you know, they were both just, like, had kind of been tested and, like, were pushing it, you know, to, to an extent. Like I said, it just didn't, to me, feel like that, whereas the men's side had the pack of 48 guys yeah. for the entire race, yeah. where I was just like, okay, somebody do something. Yeah, that turned into a DMR. Yeah. Basically, worth no one making a move. Yeah, maybe it was just attrition wearing on him. I, I just felt like Jip Chircher really didn't like, she didn't seem like she wanted to do much leading, but maybe Yeshin didn't want to lead either. Maybe that was the. Yeah, the and game it's also, model. yeah, it's scary either way, right? Like, I mean, uh, Jip Chircher shouldn't be scared of anything, but um, Yeshina, you know, it's like, do you want to just go, okay, well, I know she's like the best marathoner in the world. I'm going to put a move on her here. Yeah. At 35K. Like, it's just like, that's a bold move. Yeah. Well, someone has a 217 PB and someone has a 220 PB. Yeah. So now we got Jip Chircher, who's won New York, Boston, or sorry, yeah, New York, Boston Olympics. And then you go back, Valencia, and then she won um, in Saitama, Japan. So she's got a nice little win streak going here. Jip Koskai was the other member of the big three. Yep. She finished off the pace she was there for a while 
but then drifted back and ended up finishing in seventh place, uh, three and a half. I mean, she cratered basically. Yeah, she was there for yeah. yeah. I, I thought it was like it was setting up to be exactly what we thought yeah. with one additional person, you know, like. But yeah, um, yeah, that it's just you know not your day that happens. So you had we had Kosgai re-entering the conversation based on how well she ran in Tokyo. Um, where does the pecking order stand now? Is it Jep Cheer and then the other two, or is Kosgai and Jep Cheer in one tier, and then Jep Kosgai you drop out based on? how she ran in this marathon. Yeah, I Yeah, I, I think I think Kosky, yeah, they belong in the same tier now, Jeff Cheer and Kosky. Um, but I think Jeff Cheer Cheer just has to like, you know, it's like if you're doing the the college football rankings, you got to put somebody number 1, right? Like mm-hmm. just just if you if you're yeah, laying it all on the line, that's the way it is. Um, but I I don't think there's necessarily like huge separation between the two and you know, Costco obviously with a two fourteen on a resume, a two sixteen on a resume, like those are pretty big things. And, and hey, Boston's not that kind of course, right? I mean, it's yeah, I'm not looking at time at all. Yeah, I'm just but at how it's good just, the field is. you know, I still think it's yeah, I, I, I think it's got to go Jeff Cheer Cheer one, Costco two, and then Jeff Costco. You know, she slips, but like this is the way the marathon normally goes. It's just really really hard and then someone gets on a winning you know is able to win three or four in a row and Mm -hmm. they look unbeatable until they're not that's kind of kind of it right yeah and what separates the number one ranked person from becoming a great is the the length obviously of that the rain and is it is it two three four years kipchoge is the obvious extreme example but i think yeah four years is about the highest end it goes non Kipchoge division. Yeah. As far as got, like being the unequivocal number one. Yeah, and things got screwed up. I mean up. Mary Katani was, you know, pushing that at some point too. Yeah. But she she would have an occasional race where you just go, oh, is is she done? And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, she's not. Um, yeah. Well, and it what qualifies as done? What qualifies as having you out of the conversation? Because you don't run the marathon that often. So is it, oh okay, this person got sixth? So now they're immediately out of it. Yeah, and done. Done was the wrong word, but it's it's you're done being like unbeatable. You're you're done being yeah. that, that 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 unequivocal best. When does the rain end? Is my question. Yeah, how many, how and, and I don't think row? it's it's not one race that does it. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I think it's got to be multiple. Where or and it also depends on like who else is around. You know what 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 what's the conversation? Because it's like hey, is there. Yeah, no, but no one around who's winning every mm-hmm. marathon they're entering, or like, is it is it a constant flux of like, yeah, okay, second, first, third, <clears throat> second, you know, like if, yeah. if if that's just what everybody's doing, then it's kind of like, all right, well, this is just, and that's feels like it used to be more like that, and and the women's the men have s- seemed to have more like reigns, mm-hmm. um, just going back to like, you know, Mutai and then Kip saying. Mm-hmm. And I guess it helps when one of your reigns lasts like ten years. Uh, yeah, it the conversation stopped at that point. But like COVID kind of interrupted with what Jeff Cheerchir was doing because she runs a two twenty three in that Saitama Marathon, which is not a major, obviously. But that's that's twenty nineteen. That's her first really solid, impressive result. Then twenty twenty, there's nothing in the spring that she can do. But then in the fall, she goes two seventeen and wins Valencia. 
which is a de facto major, in my opinion, based on quality. Then 21. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's as good as Tokyo. Yeah. And then 21, it's Olympics in New York. And then 22 now, it's Boston. So depending on when you think it starts, we're looking at three years, maybe four years. But put or three and a half or two and a half or three and a half. But put that aside, I just think r- right now you'd have to pick her over anybody else. Like I would pick her over Koskai right now. Yeah. But and at the same time, then you just go like, if Costco came out of that race running two fifteen, you'd be like, "Yep, okay, well that was possible." That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you're playing with fire if you're betting against someone whose PB is two fourteen. Let yeah. me. I would not feel confident about it, but. But, I, th- but rank, I think you're. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You, if you have to rank somebody, this is, this is this is the correct order. Um, on the topic of reigns, um. And, and the men. Let's just jump over to the men. We'll go back to the women later. We'll talk about the American women and the other things that stood out to us. But I looked this up. The stat's pretty crazy because we're looking for who's the second best marathoner in the world. Yeah. And it's been – I mean I think people would – in 2019, after Berlin, you would have said that person is um, Kenny Sipakele because he just ran two seconds off of yes. Kipchoge's world record. Some people would have said he's number one. But – that was ever so since then. Ever since then, he's been declining. But since that race, there's been 12 marathon majors where Kipchoge hasn't won, and it's been a different winner every single time. Wow. Starting with Bekele. <laughs> that's that's in, that's in, pretty in crazy stat. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you make of that? Like, let me look at let me list these names for you. Let me just go through this. So as I mentioned, 2019 Berlin is Bekele. Then you go Chicago, Chirono, uh, Camor, Decisa. 2020, Legese in Tokyo. Then Shurikatada in London. Then the rest of the year was canceled. 2021, Benson Kipruto, Sise Lema, Guye Dola, Seifu Tura in Chicago. Albert Career, And then Evans Chibet in Boston on Monday. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, I what to make of it? Like, not so much. I mean, outside of Kipchoge, just, and I don't think it's not like, oh, well, Kipchoge is dominating a, a down part of the marathon. Like, the marathon's mm-hmm. been obviously consistently great lately. And, like, there's been times where, like, Lawrence Toronto is, like, clearly the next best guy. And But that was right before what I'm talking about because he yeah. did win two. He, he went 2019. He won in the spring in Boston and then the fall in Chicago, but he's like the last guy. Yeah. <laughs> he's the last and he's guy. like, and he's, you know, one of your best, he's one of your best bet. Like if you've got a bad, somebody to finish top three, you mm-hmm. gotta, you're feeling really good about that. But like, I mean, you line them all up. I have, I have no idea. Like, and it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting because it's, it's deep and it's a bunch of dudes who can run two Oh two, two Oh three. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, even ranking them, I, I wouldn't even know what to, what to do right now. Well, so Toronto, you mentioned, he gets second to Chibet. And Chibet had some other good results because there are other good marathons besides the majors. Valencia, we just mentioned, is one of them. But you're like, all right, if if somebody can run off a second victory, that's the person I'm going to jump to. 100%, to pick. yeah. And it happened to be the guy who didn't have 
a major already. Again, came in with a fast PB and, and good wins on his resume, but just didn't didn't have the quote-unquote major. But Jeffrey Camor, perfect example, gets 18th in 211-49. People have been waiting to to crown him for a while. Yeah, he's, he, I mean, he's had not, bad not a bad runner, but he's just like, yeah, he, he has never lived up to like what just the, the, the crazy high expectations so many people had for him. Yeah, and injuries, he got hit while he was running. Someone hit him with a motorcycle, um, and then he had another injury. So he's had some unfortunate health issues as well, too. But, yeah, the next the next person is not there right now. No, it's, you know, yeah. And, and this was, you know, a weird men's race overall, like I mentioned. I mean, let's see, I'm looking at the, the splits and stuff. At, at 30K... There were 15 guys within a second of each other. Yeah, it was a big pack. I mean, that's that's kind of nuts. Like, I mean, you know, sometimes you see six or seven guys or whatever it is you get lured get down to, but there was just absolutely no move until, what was it, 35? Uh, yeah, 20, yeah, between 35 and 40K, they go 13, 55. There was a 427 followed by a 426. Yeah. Yeah, it happened from, quickly. I mean, from Chibet. Yeah. And that broke it up. But here's the thing it wasn't just because the pace was pedestrian, Charlie. It's also because this was a really deep race. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't fast, but it wasn't crazy slow either. No. You know, winner goes 206. Then there's a few 207 guys and a bunch of 208 guys. Like, that's not, that's not crazy. No, for but for it, you're right. Boston, it was no. it does speak to the depth of the race, but also nobody nobody wanted 205 in this race. Everybody was cool, like not shooting for that at all. Yeah, a hundred percent. And now we have with uh, Chabat. I mean, maybe maybe he is number he, two. He, right he now. might be. Yeah, and like, and he's got as good an argument as anybody. Like four. Fourth in London. Here's the issue, though. He, fourth in London, that's great. 2021 Valencia, as I mentioned. 203 dead, which is a good time. Um, that's it, though. That's the start, basically, for him. Well, he's run 205. But the problem is Yeah, but I mean, the other, you know, the Buenos Aires Marathon and the Lake Biwa Marathon, like, fine. Yeah. You don't get really credit for those in the uh, the right. big in the big matchups. Who's the, who's the be- next best guy? In our desire to turn every marathon conversation about Iliad Kipchoge and tell them time the man retires like the gap is growing between kipchoge and everybody else yeah evans chibet is 33 right which i mean is he's not this young up and five years younger than uh, kipchoge so he's good yeah but he, but my point is he's not this young up and comer no, no marathons for his first marathon was 2013 that's pretty crazy so yeah, this is a great great result for him but I, I don't know if he's got to level up after this and i think you'd have to level go a level up if you want to beat Elliot Kipchoge. Oh, two levels. Remember, there's a blank level in between. Double level. Exactly. you got to go double level up if you want to beat the man himself. Yeah. I thought it was an entertaining race. Yeah, it was fun. Like, it was, you know, it was it was mainly, I was like, okay, when's it going to happen? Because yeah. there, there, there is nothing interesting about a, a pack of 15 guys running together. It's just, it's not interesting to me at all. But, well, you know something's going to happen. Yeah, and you knew the split was going to be preposterous whenever it came. Someone was going to emerge yes. from that pack. That was the fun part. It was exactly. guessing. And it, and it did end up like good. You know, I was hoping, obviously, that like two or three guys would 
emerge and we'd get something a little closer down the stretch for for a race that was absolutely nothing for 35k it was still a blowout which is weird yeah it ended it the race began and ended quickly yes if you did a highlight of this race you could really just condense it down to yeah you chose the start and then you zoom into 36k cj albertson is in the lead cj albertson's with the pack the pack stays together Evan Chabet says, game over. And he just lit the match and walked away, basically, is what Chabet did. But you knew someone was going to have something because you're right. There, it wasn't like they were jogging, but they definitely could go much quicker. And you knew someone had magic in their legs that day, and it happened to be Chabet. I still think, regardless of flat downhill, like a 13.55 split in a marathon is just oh, stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. Yes, I mean, especially when you've run, you know, 22 miles before that. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah, that's impressive. Um, you said, and I agree with you, be impressive if American got in the top 10. It happened, Scott Fauble. Yeah, I didn't expect it. Even splits, 208.52. Elkanah Cabet, also in the top 10 for the U.S., 209.07. Those are the both uh, fastest times for those guys in history. And Albertson ended up getting 13th in 210.23, which was his fastest time ever. Yeah, I mean, two, you know, two hundred eight, two hundred nine. Uh, Fable with yeah, with the even split, finishing seventh in this field. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a that's a really nice. And it's, like I said, Boston's not quick, so a two hundred eight mm-hmm. at Boston that that means something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's you know, and, and same with Quebec. Was... I mean, Quebec's only fifteen seconds back, so it's not like a big difference there. Um, yeah, I just think that's that's a, that's a good sign. I love the dead even splits. I think it was just, it's funny because you're mentioning how big this pack was, and the guy who ended up getting seventh wasn't in that pack. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at halfway, Fobble was in 23rd, and he was a minute back. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's really impressive, actually, just to like, no, there's this massive stampede ahead of you, uh-huh. and you're just like, nope. I know yeah. my pace. I got this. <laughs> like, I'm not. Ga- I'm not going to be a part of that group. Yeah, and like the, you know, the second half is in Boston is probably a little slower, just in general, mm-hmm. than the first half. Is that accurate? First half is slower than the back half. Yeah. Well, I mean, with these guys, it's hard to tell. Well, yeah, no, but it's in, in general, like I was thinking that it was, I guess. I guess the back half has it has it feels like it has more slowness and more like there's bigger well, the hills, variances yeah. of what it does, New- right? It's it's got the flat, but it's also got the The Newton Hills. Yeah. The Newton Hills are, are there. So you got the up, you got the down. Yeah. Um I'd say the second half's usually slower because it's the second half of a marathon. I mean, yeah, usually. that's usually a safe bet, right? Uh, I've been doing this podcast a long time, Jason, and that's the mathematical formula that I came up with. Who else jumped out? Let's let's finish with the men and then we can go to the women. On the men's side, any other notable results, either good or bad? <laughs> it's so hard to take anything. I mean, Kim Moore, like I said, didn't didn't do anything. Um, he was part of that pack, but you know, fell off huge. Um, yeah, it's, it was hard to take a lot out of that men's side. Just when everyone ran together, it was like, okay, well. It's the way it shaked out. Like that's why I think Fobble was like a huge thing. Cabet, you know, just those guys punched above their weight class of what mm-hmm. you thought going in. 
So like mm-hmm. they get the credit there. Whereas like, you know, if you're if you went in as a two oh four guy and then you finish tenth, like I can't can't say much there. <laughs> you blew it, is what you're I mean, no, saying. It's, it's not like it's like just hey, this was a super deep field. Uh-huh. You weren't gonna run a fast time. And there was no other like weird intricacies to the race to consider. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like I'm more pumped for Edna Kiplagat than anyone else on the men's side. Like that's I'm like, yeah, do it again, yeah. Edna. Do this forever. <laughs> Another top five finish gets fourth. Two twenty one. Just no yeah, problem. And it, yeah, and it's not as if it was a fourth place where she was three minutes behind. She was thirty nine seconds at the end. Yeah, off the winner. I was I was very impl- impressed with her. Um, at thirty, at the half, she was with everybody. Then she didn't go with the move because at thirty k, she was seventy three seconds back, and at twenty miles, she was seventy seconds back. Twenty one miles, she was uh, sixty six seconds back. Thirty five k, she was still seven uh, sixty seven seconds back. Uh, she made up a ton of time over the last seven kilometers. The experience might help her, maybe. She's, she's it's been around the <laughs> just block. A little, just a little bit. Just a little bit of experience. I thought it was it's just we talked about Lyndon you know, all those years being there and always being in the mix. Kip Kiplagot is level beyond that. Oh it's, yeah. I mean it's it's and she was, you know, at the top of her game, she was, you know, easily one of the three best marathoners him, in the yeah. world. Um I mean she finished second every time, so it was hard to make her number one. Yeah. But uh she had some wins in there. She did, she, she did. She she had a few wins. Um, but she's had to finish top ten more or top five more than ten times at this point. Like it seems like so. Oh yeah, it's I counted it up. It's like sixteen, I think, in the top. And you said top five or top three? I said top five. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I could look it up right here. Uh, I had this stat. It is. Let's see. So she's won New York. She's won London. She's won Boston. She's got second in London three times. <laughs> And Boston twice and Chicago once. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And then she got third in Tokyo. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's ten top threes plus world championships in 11, 13, and 17. Yeah, so she's well past that when you include fourth and fifth. Way wow. past it. That's awesome. Yeah. No, Love it's it. incredible. I it's, mean, like, it, yeah, because it's like. It, yeah, she's 42. Um, she's, you know, been great for... I mean, she won New York back in 2010. Right. That was a Flanagan year. Yeah. That was a Flanagan year. I remember that one. I think so. it was Katani, Kiplagat, and Flanagan. Wow, what a, that's a cool top three. That's a, that's a historic top three. I like that one. Yeah, I don't see it ever ending. I, I mean, what's the point? Yeah, I just want her to just keep doing this. Who like, retires? Oh, she's 49. Um, I know she finished second last year, but I'm just not sure if she has it this year. <laughs> Who retires first, Kipchoge or Kiplagat? <sighs> Man, it's a great question. Kipchoge, I, I, I wonder if he ever retires or if he just vanishes into the mist. Like, <laughs> and we just go like, I, he could be back. Is that a Field of Dreams reference? I, I mean, in, a little bit, but just, a, just, just like, yeah, just every everything where you know, just a. a a magical ethereal creature just yeah we're like was he ever here did we all imagine it 
if you post it on Strava, he will come. <laughs> yeah, he just goes on a rampage across the United States, just setting every Strava record, making it unbeatable. Yeah. Every single segment, Kipchoge grabs it. That'd be terrific. American women, Nell Rojas, top woman for the U.S., second year in a row. Molly Seidel, uh, DNF'd past 16 miles, said she had a hip injury. Um, so her first bad experience in the marathon. Um, I just don't know what to take from stuff like that. If it's long-term, obviously bad. But we've seen people have bad races drop out and then come back and be fine. I think she built up a large enough body of work to where ultimately she's going to be fine. Yeah, I don't hold I don't hold one against you. Like that stuff happens. Good. Good. But you know what I mean? Like but it's just like one of those things like hey, who who knows? Like it's everyone's entitled to have the one DNF or DNS and you can have one every, you know, few if like 4 years or 5 years if you want. I won't even yeah. argue it. But so when it becomes an ongoing thing, that's where you just have to take it in consideration and she's never really had an issue and the marathon stuff. Like most people do not go without one at some point. Right. We're comparing – if you're even in the conversation of stringing along like four or five – this is the, the, the Jip Chichir conversation almost. Now with her, it's wins. But you can almost say the same thing for, hey, if you're able to consistently get top three or whatever it is, if you're going against the U.S. field and you're the top U.S. person, be the top U.S. person. If you're able to somehow get a bronze medal, like you're meeting and exceeding expectations. Oh, yeah. Seidel in every single race every single marathon that she had run and then all of a sudden she has one bad race. There's just so much that can go wrong in a marathon. Kipchoge is really the only person we've seen to where his success rate is, what is it, one out of the, like, I don't know what the percentage is. You're yeah, the math it's, guy. It's, it's like 90 plus percent though. Right. Which is right. impossible. Like, right. It's, it's exactly. defies all logic. Nobody else's hit rate is that good. So, right, I'll just say, you know, on to the next one, basically, for her. Hoping that there's no long-term, you know, injury issue. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm always rooting for, for everybody. Yeah, it's just like I said, you know, said she felt good, you know, the couple months leading up to it. But, yeah, marathons are long and brutal, and sometimes they will prevail. Yeah. Marathon, marathons win in the end. Yep. Uh, except you for Kip Joker. Anything else? I think that's mainly it. From Boston. Um, I mean, the Bulls are up 12 in Milwaukee right now, but it's still before halftime. So, And, what, what, wow. By the time, by the Sorry, time we're quick NBA the mid-show update. Raptors-Sixers was 101-101 at the end of overtime. Apparently, there might have been just a game-winning three. It's in replay right now by the Sixers. So, we know how much Kevin loves the Sixers. Yeah, no comment. I'm focused on uh, your Bulls and your Bucks. I'm glad that we're recording it during that game. So you yeah, I'm not distracted it. at all. So, <laughs> Yeah, I was doing this so you didn't need to pay attention to the – I thought you wanted oh, to – Oh, no, it's on. Game. I have it muted. Um, yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't watch any of it. That's why I thought you wanted to record during this time. No? I mean – I Didn't you uh, want to be distracted? Well, the, the, the big thing is what's going to happen is the, the second half when Milwaukee wins this game is when it's going to be – very frustrating and the the odds on me turning this off in frustration at some point before the end of this podcast is still fairly high sure sure i just yeah all right uh do you want to talk about mount sack <laughs> yeah absolutely i do <laughs> i'm gonna let you lead that segment just just 
Just turn the TV Let's off. do it. Let's see. All right. So, biggest stories coming out of Mount Sac. What do we got? Uh, some, some good 200s? Yeah, men's two. Yeah. I mean, Fred Curley, Michael Norman, both 1908s. Mm-hmm. Um, Curly with the eight zero, normal with the eight uh, three. Legal wind. There was a little little heavy wind on the on the men's and women's hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Rye Benjamin runs like twenty zero, which is you know pretty damn good for a four hundred meter hurdler. Uh, but yeah, both those guys. I mean, you were kind of in on the Norman two hundred this year. Mm-hmm. So this this got to make you feel pretty good. Problem is, is he good enough to make the team? Yeah, that's <sighs> tough. I'm just looking at it holistically, not necessarily, hey, is he going to run this event or that event? I just think it's his best result since the trials last year. That's without question. Pre-Olympics, he It's a good sign it. regardless, right? I mean... Yeah. It's a good sign for his 400. It's yep. a good sign for just his and him as a track athlete who wants to run fast. In a previous life, you'd have been like, man, he should beat Fred Curley. But that was... Not anymore. Win. Yeah, no. Yeah. Losing Fred Curley is no shame. Yes, exactly. Curly's definitely better than he was before. He's running an event that he didn't used to run, and Norm has struggled as of late. So they're at different spots now than they were before. But if you look at the race, with all the information that you have of 2021 and early 2022, I think it's a good sign for Norm. It's a great sign for Curly. It's a great sign for Curly. I don't know. I want to wait and see you know, DeGrasse run a 200, Lyle's run a 200, to know – where he fits in in the, the 200 and, side of things. Yeah, yeah but Narek, Knighton. yeah, exactly. Arian Knighton, who who beat Lyles over the weekend in 100 again. So I don't know, 100 versus 200, where Curly has a better shot at gold. Um, <sighs> yeah. I mean, you probably want to say 100 just because pretty damn close last year. But, you know, two's closer to the four, all that stuff that we talked about before. I don't know. Yeah, I really, I really, I really don't. I mean, it's, you know, the two you go – well, if Lyles isn't 100% Lyles, then that gold medal's kind of open, right? Like, right. I don't know if it's 196 right. or 195, which is not like an easy time by any stretch, but it seems possible. Whereas if Coleman, um, you know, if it, it, it I mean, maybe, maybe Curly is a 9-7 guy. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what limits to put on him at this point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think he obviously should roll bo- for both for now because there's no guarantee you're making either of those teams as good mm-hmm. as he is. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to make a team. Oh, no, I, I would bet on that. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it's not like a, well, he's a lock. Right. You know, I just think that, I just, you know, because, hey, if if Coleman's really good, if Brumell is really good. Yeah. Then it's like, okay, well, all it takes is one guy. Maybe it's Baker. Like, maybe it's Bracey. Maybe, I, I don't know. But, like, any of the, one of those could, um, yeah, could, 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 you know, you might have to run low 9.8s to make the team. Yeah. It's going to be, I just saw the pre-list, the pre-start list for the 100 get announced. Um, it's got everybody in it. Oh, so that'll be. I didn't, I didn't see that. What, what's that looking like? <sighs> Jacobs, DeGrasse. Curly, so you have all the medalists. Um, then you got Coleman. That's then you have right Baker, Bednarik, Lyles, and Marvin Bracy. Wow. So that's yeah. really that might be better than the world championship final. Yeah. 
Yeah. This is well, pure talent. I don't know. You get you get four in both now though, too. Remember that. That's Lyles a point. Is, yeah. Lyles has the bye, Coleman has a bye. And that that can certainly help. I think he's gonna try to run run both. But it was cool to see those two run against each other. That was fun. Um bummed that Coleman didn't end up running the race and Benjamin, just he probably he didn't have enough reps at that distance. I think he could, if he only focused on the two hundred, he could get in the mix for sure. Um, he could run faster than he's running, but it's tough when you're a four hundred meter hurdler and you're trying to run. It's it's um yeah, and I wouldn't bet on him making the team either way. I mean, it's not nothing against it's not against him. It's just like, well, first of all, you're the second best in the world at your event, so there's no reason for you to switch. Um, no, I was not thinking he was going to switch. I think he just, he just but just in general, like I mean, I, why would you want to go into that gauntlet of the two hundred? No, no, yeah, of course you wouldn't. I was just saying the type of athlete he is, and you look at the times and relay splits he's put down. I think he's capable of more than that. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think he could run nineteen eight at some point, like if he were to. Oh yeah, focus 100%. on that. Like that's not crazy. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I mean, he's indoor. He ran a fast like indoor, to, which whatever he really rides in indoor too, but. The conversions are pretty, pretty crazy. Um, he's run nineteen ninety nine. He did that in twenty eighteen in Paris. Yeah, you'd think he'd be faster since then. Yeah. All right. What else? Uh, well, on the women's side, I mean, Gabby Thomas runs twenty two zero. Yep. Um, she's good. That yeah yeah shocker there. She's good. Um, you know, one point nine wind. Either way, she's great. But then it's more like the the next tier, and it's so it's so early. But you know, Brittany Brown runs twenty two twenty nine, and Prandini's way back. But nothing, no big Too deal early. yet. Yeah, uh, there were fast but, times in the hundred, but big wind again. Um, so I don't know what too much you know to take out of that. Well, Elaine Thompson Hurrah ran just the first round, not the final, and she ran ten eighty nine. I think went legal. So that the heat didn't have wind. The wind just came up for the final. So that's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. It, well, half the te- half the uh, qualifiers did have wind, and the other half didn't. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, she runs 1089, yeah, 1.6. So, I mean, you know, Lane Thompson's pretty good. Um, but actually, the other thing caught my eye was, like, men's four. Nothing crazy, but Michael Cherry runs 44.2. Again. And he just keeps just... looking really good. And Dos Santos, uh, big PB, so that means good stuff for him. And the yeah, forty four five is you know four hurdles. So I don't see I don't see any way unless there's a couple guys who are the two fastest in history along with him. I don't see that way that guy gets stopped. <laughs> it's so brutal. Like yeah, he could. He, I mean, he's already run insane times, but uh, he's got his work cut out for him to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh. It's, it's a little tough. Yeah, it's a great, cool. You ran maybe switch to the four hundred then, man. Yeah, like just I anything. I don't know what to tell you. Take up a different sport. No, it's great. It, he's going to run against Ry Benjamin soon in a, in a four minute hurdle race that's yeah, coming up. I hope so, so. That'll be good. That'll be terrific to watch. I'm looking through these things, and the test I always give is like, what changed my opinion about a person or an event? I guess you go men's hundred, Makai Williams, the Oregon athlete. Um, 983 yeah it was windy but that's pretty cool uh, yeah and he was, he's he dominated i mean it wasn't a you know loaded field or anything like that but like that's it's got to at least translate to 99 so nothing nothing wrong with that uh raven rogers looked really good in the yes in the eight yeah i mean did yeah, change I just, my opinion on anything uh because like, raven rogers is very good um yeah. 
but still, 158. So yeah, that's that's legit. Yeah, I was surprised Muhammad Dilla Muhammad only 52.6 in the 400 because she's run faster than that with hurdles. I thought she'd win that race. Uh, I know it was windy out there. Might have something to do with it, but she lost to some people I thought that she could beat as well. Men's eight. Uh, we got an email about that, so I'm going to hold on to that mm. discussion. Uh, outside of this meet, I talked about the uh, uh, Holloway. Sorry, not Holloway. Um, Lyles losing to Knighton. Holloway ran that meet as well, too. But there was a um, – I don't know, man. Like Lyles losing these hundreds is giving me flashbacks to last year. I mean, it's, I mean, I know, and it's that's the thing is like I know you know he ended on the on the good note mm-hmm. last year, and everyone was like, okay, everything's good again. But I'm still just a little holding on. Like I want it to be right, but I'm not ready to say it's 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 all good yet. I want to see a 200, but I was probably we could probably re- rewind the pod. And I was saying the same thing last year. Whatever. Yeah. He's running 10 I started getting a little worried. Not this early. This early, I was like, eh, whatever. It doesn't matter. But yeah. But once, it was, once he was like five races in of, this, of running 10 Yeah. It was just kind of like, um, what's going on? Yeah. And then he didn't run that many twos. So you didn't have that many reasons to feel confident. It was, it was tough. It was tough. And you believe in people until you believe they can win. If you've only seen them win basically throughout their professional career, you're never going to believe that they're going to actually lose. And then they lose. You're like, all right, well I should learn my lesson from that and realize that it winning is difficult. It's not a sure thing. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of this stuff. I think one thing that you can't discount is Ari Knighton's really good. This isn't just a one-sided thing for sure. Where it's Lyle's running poorly. Cause he's running fine. Not blown out of the water, but Knighton's an Olympian. Knighton is 17, eight, 17, eight, in <laughs> is he 18 now. Okay. He's, he's in English 12 right now or whatever. <laughs> he's fulfilling his requirements to graduate from high school. So basically I'm saying he had a lot of room to improve. So it doesn't surprise me that he got better from 21 to 22. Oh no. Yeah. He could be a super duper star. Like would not wait, be crazy wait, wait, at wait. all. A super duper star. Are you yeah. going to go that far? I, I'm, I'm putting it out there. All right. Super duper star. Jason is on record as saying that. I'm writing it down right now. Super duper stuff. The college kids went crazy, though. You got a um, collegiate records all over the map. Men's 15, Elliot Kipsang, Favre Ophelia, women's 200, men's decathlon, uh, women's hammer. You had Florida broke, broke the 4x4 record uh, for the men, which is pretty cool. So... A lot of fast times. We don't have a collegiate record song. Otherwise, I'd play it. We don't. Um, Elliot keeps saying, double fast name. Always scary. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he can hold it. There's not a great track record of people who break the collegiate record when it comes to winning the, the national title. But 333 to your name is pretty darn good. Um, I want to see if there's any. Women's 2 is going to be great in the NCAA this year. You'd be proud of me. I'm really getting into the women's too at every level. Welcome. College, uh, U.S. side of things, and when we get to the world championships. Because now you got Ophelia and Steiner. Yeah. And they're in the same conference, so you can see them run at SECs. You can see them run again at NCAAs. Steiner's never broken 22. I think she's going to smash that thing when she gets the opportunity to do it. Yep. Next. And that's going to be a great battle because we talked about the three – 
big names coming out of indoors for the women. It was her. It was Grace Stark who got the clinch record. And then it was um, Malone in the jumps. So Steiner's in this weird position where everybody thinks she's the uh, favorite, which she is, but she has, there's a collegiate record holder in her event now. The it's fastest true. woman in history in the women's 200 is, is in her event, and it's not her. It's a weird spot to be in. Yeah, no, that's you're right. That that is really like that's gonna be amazing. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then you know, on the like, yeah, the world stage too. So, it's gonna be really good. NCAA's. I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. All right, should we go to email? Uh we should. By the Have way, some, Joel mm-hmm. Embiid hit a turnaround three pointer at the buzzer to win the game. It wasn't at the buzzer. There was still a couple tenths left. Jason. No, there Let's, was zero. If, no, no, no. Really? Yeah, I think it was literally went through with nothing left. Let's see what GameCast says. I think that's. I know they were reviewing the play because I didn't think it. weren't sure if it went through or not. Uh, it says with under a second remaining is what it says oh. on this uh, headline here. Yeah, he got it and like turned. Yeah, point seven. Oh, why were they reviewing that? Yeah, I don't know why the the review happened then. Are you sure they're reviewing it? Or maybe well, that they're... was that was you know just what uh, what my in game said. Uh, mm. So maybe. Maybe they're reviewing if it was a two or a three. There you it. go. That could be a great live uh, live reaction here. Yeah, it, it could. I could see why they would want to review that. Yeah, but that's an insane shot for a center to hit. <laughs> Got it. Spun towards the basket. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. All right, cool. Great. Congratulations. All right. Uh, They'll get a real challenge this, in round two. This is still a – we don't like that part of the bracket, to be clear. We're, we're more of a bottom of the bracket minus the Nets type of podcast. So, Bucks, Bulls, hell, even the Celtics. All right. Email? Do you want to do email? Yes, Let me please. see what we got here. Sorry. You want, you want to talk about the Celtics? All right. I'm good. No? All right. Pretty good team, though. They're Pretty good. good team. Yeah. Game one was really fun. Game one was really good. So, game two wasn't, wasn't quite as fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was fun if you're a Boston fan. I mean, it's, yeah, I was say, it was fun for them. They, they yeah. won by even more... Um. All right, let's start with uh, Marshall from yeah. St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. Handful of thoughts on the right. weekend. Mount Sack, number one, I really hope the Nike kits that Alan, Benjamin, Norman, Elaine Thompson are wearing are not the official Nike 2022 kits. I imagine Kevin's kids could come up with better Johns. Two, someone needs to figure out what to do with the false start technology with the blocks. The 100 semis were atrocious, and we had uh, – uh, false start in the 400. Yeah, the 100, Devin Allen was in that race too. I want to see how fast he could go. And they had several recalls. I don't even remember how many it ended up being. That sucked. Yeah, Marshall, man, you work for a timing company now. You should figure that out. Big River Race Management? Is that what it was? I think that think that's it. If that's not it, then maybe that should be the title. But I think that's the title. Uh, Tom Jones, which is the name of the meet. In Florida, why could we not have Matt Bowling line up in the Pro 100 against Knight and Lyles and Holloway? I don't know. Matt Bowling ran sub-10, win legal for the first time in his career. Two, Grant only ran 10-2-1, no win. I'm going to chalk that result up to karma from last weekend. Yeah, what do you— Can't argue with that, you know? Yeah, because we always want—in college, we always wanted him to run it. And he ran—you know, he ran 60 indoors and won it. But sometimes when people wait— too long like it's possible to wait too long with some of these off event attempts because then you just you're specializing 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 
And also just, you know, situation where maybe you have a little bit of a, a bad day or something and then you have a 10 to your name. Like Grant Holloway should not have a 10 to his name. His 100 PB should be way faster. I think we all agree on that, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, worst case scenario, he's a 10-0 guy. And I would, you know, I think if he put some some focus into it, he could be, he would be faster than that. Yeah. So he's run 650 and then 10 to 1. Let's break that down. So that means his last 40 meters. And that's what when he that should be? be getting to his fastest. Four, so be. 4 would be. So he runs his last 40 meters in 3.8 seconds. Which still seems really fast now that I say it like that. But but once you're at full gallop, you know now you got to do now you got to do gallop. the ESPN thing where it shows the guy who's on a breakaway <laughs> touchdown is like from the fifty to the twenty he was as fast <laughs> as Usain Bolt. Wait, hold on, I did the math wrong. I think three point seven one seconds. That sounds right. That sounds more right. Yeah. Okay. So three point seven one, which me so he did his first. Okay, I was going to break that into. 10 meter chunks but that's just gonna not be relevant at all i don't know it's like 20.6 10.2 dude's faster than that he's split 43 in a relay <laughs> yeah he's run 1281 and he runs on four by one legs i don't know that sucks though we, sometimes yeah you need to it's the argument against waiting to run an off event just do it you never know you never know if that's gonna be it okay um or just run your really good event even if it's windy yeah, so you believe in the karma explanation? I do. I, I'm I, yep, big on the karma. Uh, about the kits, yeah, they're pretty plain. Yeah, they've been kind of boring for a while. I don't know. I feel like they need to do something. Yeah, mix it up. I don't know what the – I know that there are the special gold ones, the people who won gold medals, but I don't know. That's cool to give them a different one, but then you have a grand total of two different kits. Maybe five, maybe six. I yeah, I just we could just do better. Like I don't know. It seems like it almost seems like that the idea is, and I'm sure this isn't the idea, but it seems like it's like, hey, let's not ruffle any feathers with these. Let's make sure yeah. they're nice and down the middle. Yeah, and it's like, dude, they're race kit. Like, dude, get weird with them. Why not? Yeah. Well, and we've talked about this before. There should be some individualization to them, even if it's just I mean, that. Yes, of course. Even if it's just like you're pulling. I don't expect everybody. To be a designer but if you're pulling uh give them options oh here's yeah. the, here's a 20 here's the 20 options that you can use exactly this year. have some fun with it put your name on the back there's just so many things yeah i was trying to pull up a picture uh so i typed in michael norman mount sack on google images and it just all from the year he ran 4345 <laughs> makes sense that's uh yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll type in golden games uh because i want to f- describe these to the people who haven't seen them or just tell them what to google so they can look at them themselves nope we're still not getting anywhere <laughs> oh wait here's one okay uh yeah blue it's pretty basic i don't know <laughs> lighter blue there's nothing to it i didn't like the barbed wire ones from no that's it. those were ago. boring too yeah those I... they thought they were cool i think but i think the usa jerseys that they come up with Obviously, more time gets put under those, I'm assuming. Those have been pretty cool throughout the years. There's never been a year when I've been like, oh, these these national team jerseys. Suck. Yeah, those are usually better. Yeah. These are just know. kind of plain. Yeah, they're just boring. Like that's. I, I feel like that's, to be honest, I think that's the worst thing you could do with a jersey is be boring. Mm-hmm. Even if they're ugly, 
at least that's that's something you know like like get weird with it i don't know mm-hmm. and his final point uh it's a shame that uh talking about gds and hula it's a shame this played out over social media maybe i'm old school but I do not understand why GDS and Huyen didn't have any contact slash conversation about this before GDS left the group. Very shallow and passive-aggressive, although the conversation probably would have gone like this. And he posted a link to South Park. I did not watch this clip. What is it called? Oh. I'm not your buddy guy friend. Oh, so that's the uh, the, Canada the Cana- yeah, Canadians, and it's uh, just them two guys going, I'm not your friend guy. I'm not your buddy friend. I'm not your guy friend. And it just goes yeah. back and forth and back and forth. Um Enjoy it. I always, always love me some South Park. I just, I don't think GDS is going to reach out to Hulahan, and I wouldn't blame her for doing that if she's banned. Yeah, but, and I, I, you know, it's one thing if like, hey, were they friends before? I know you're in the same training group. That doesn't mean you're like close necessarily. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I'm sure if they were friends, that would have been the case. And maybe, not saying they hated each other, but maybe it was just kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, well. And then if if you're GDS, if you believe she knowingly doped. You just do you go? Oh, she's that kind of looks bad on me then too. Like like you 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 kind of take it personally a little bit. Well, even if you don't think she did it, but you're saying we have to respect the ban. Yeah, I think it's reasonable to think okay, I can communicate my intentions through my coach or through the people who are working with the team. I don't need to have the conversation with this person because it's not ultimately it's not that person's decision. It's not Hulahan's decision. If they say. Don't work out with Schumacher if he says I'm not going to train you right now, or you need to come the next day, which is some of the things that they were talking about doing. I don't think she's just like going rogue and being like I'm going to show up anyway. Right? Yeah, that's happening because they're signing off on it. So it's it's not even really about Hulahan. It's about the leadership of the group, is the way I see it. I mean, Hulahan is the thing that they're disagreeing over but the handling of it is is the problem yeah uh two his second point what does this say about jerry's conviction about shelby that he's willing to let a 2022 metal threat like gds walk well he's been very clear he thinks she's clean he thinks she was railroaded by the process yeah and he thinks that the whole thing was a sham like that doesn't it doesn't surprise me um that he thinks she's clean. Now, there's a second question here, which is, all right, where does your support for your one athlete end when it conflicts with continuing to coach your current athletes? Right. That's a tough thing to figure out. But for he sure. 100% thinks that she's clean. He's said it. Um, the, the thing is, and listen, I don't know either of these people. Jerry never does interviews, right? Ever. Yeah. Um, you know, could he have had the conversation of, hey, I 100% support you, but we can't be having you associated with the group or around or with me? Can he have that conversation? I don't know. I don't know the na- nature of the relationship. No, absolutely. And, and it's it's also one of those things where I don't, you know, I don't know the dynamic inside the group, obviously. Like, and obviously some athletes are closer to coaches than other athletes. And if like, first of all, if he, you know, he believes he's innocent, but also maybe like they were, they had this like super good relationship, you know, personally mm-hmm. and professionally. And then it's just that much harder, you know, to, to mm-hmm. separate those things. Yeah. 
I don't like. Would she understand if he said, "Hey, I need some distance here"? I'm sure, and I would assume she would. And you know, outside yeah, of being but completely I, unreasonable, that you would. Think I don't so. know. Yeah, um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's yeah. it's so hard to know. Obviously, exactly what's going on in there. Yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, I I don't disagree with Marshall. Like, hey, like would have been better if they talked it out. Yeah, that's usually better for everybody in every situation. Mm-hmm. All right, and. Are suspended athletes still in the drug testing pool? Is his final question. Someone else asked us that as well, too. Well, according to USADA, just Googled that question. This is all sanctioned athletes, whether in a USADA testing pool or not, must remain available for out-of-competition testing during their period of ineligibility. Yeah, and I was thinking about that um, because we know sometimes there's the after-effects of performance enhancing drugs, right? Like they talk about, well, hey, like you can still yeah. have even if you're off them for whatever amount of time, like the the gains you made can still be a real thing. So yeah, if you if they didn't test the athletes in that way, you could uh go real nuts for a few years <laughs> and then, you know. Yeah, so it, it makes sense that you'd have to uh keep them in the in the testing pool. Yeah. And they also you also have the situation where okay say they for some reason they didn't test you because resources were low and you're coming back back there you need to hit a minimum amount of testing we saw the um Itang of Kenya didn't get he qualified to run for Kenya but didn't meet the minimum requirements for amount of tests just because he hadn't been on anybody's radar long enough and they couldn't send him to the Olympics that's a real thing that happened. Yeah, and that's crazy. <laughs> like, so it's not just it's not just a it's not just sanctioned athletes. It's like any athlete needs to be um, tested if they want to be able to compete. Like they need to hit a a threshold. I'm not sure. I'm trying to Google what the actual um, number is, but it's pretty like. And I think this is something they've tightened up in years past. It's basically to prevent someone showing <laughs> doping for a bunch of years, showing up to the national, the running three thirty one in a fifteen hundred or whatever, qualifying for the Olympics, but you know never being on the radar. Yeah, right. But no, you run I mean, one, yeah, you, it, it makes sense. Even if you just go like, oh, that sucks, but it's also like, yeah, it, it, like you have to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could Kamar Etiang um, beat Chariot at the trials, right? It's kind uh, of a big deal. <laughs> but he didn't have enough out of competition test, which wasn't his fault because he can't perform his own tests. Right. But you need to be you need to be good with you need to show promise early enough so that way you can be tested enough so they have some reasonable level of confidence that you are on the same playing field as everybody else in terms of testing which makes sense and that so i would guess this is just me speculating here the emphasis on her testing is not going to necessarily be now although maybe they are but the emphasis would be in 2024 the year before she comes back for sure and maybe i mean i have no idea maybe you throw her a test every three to six months just toss one over there yeah just 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 as a just in case of thing like i I don't know if that's something that's done like it, it would make sense to me like to just that way the athlete knows that they're mm-hmm. still, uh, you know, that that's still happening. Yeah. I don't know. Or 
do you not test them at all knowing that they're going to need to meet a minimum threshold when they come back? And then you're just like de facto extending their suspension. Oh, uh, wow. Suspension. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you could do that, right? Yeah, I'd imagine I imagine there's got to be a rule saying like, hey, uh, six months before you're supposed to come back, you do the test. Like, you know, you get your tests up to things. So you're actually allowed to compete by the time you're supposed to compete. No idea if that's the case, but that would seem logical. Yeah. <laughs> no idea if that's the case, but it seems logical. Which Love means it. it's probably not true. Yeah. Well, Dan from Chicago asked a similar question. Long time, 30th time. Listening to your discussion on GDS and Bowerman got me wondering about Hulihan, specifically how, if she will be tested during her ban. I heard, no, not a doctor, that many PEDs confer a, a physiological benefit even after they've left your system what if rather than proving she's clean shelby went full east german and dope to the gills <laughs> until say july 2024 giving herself time to get clean and pass a test when her ban is up would that work no not according to the helping method which is just frequently it toss tests every now and then um but that's she, the thing though right because if you if you didn't do that like there absolutely would be some athlete yeah 100%. who would take the thing and then dope out of their minds for three years yeah Basically, he says, I'm wondering if a full professional wrestling style heel turn is even possible. Love the show. I'll hang up and listen for my answer. So it's a great question. Yeah. But I don't I'm think guessing. So. Yeah. So let me see. Hold on a second. USADA has a public testing database. Um, let's see. I'm sure it's going to be a succinct document. No, it actually is. Is it really? It's, it's well done. Whoever did the back end wow. stuff is, is pretty good. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not I can find. The Addendum six. No, 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 no. It's <laughs> usada.org. Okay, here we go. Um, we don't have any music to play along, do we? Kevin's looking up the doping things. Whoa. Testing. I've done this a hundred times. Testing numbers. Ugh, there's a page. I should have just bookmarked it. Oh, here it is. Okay. Um, wait, no, this isn't specific athlete. This is just the amount of testing. All right, bulls are up 69-53, uh, 7.50 <laughs> left in the third quarter. Uh, where They've been a little this? sloppy coming out of the half. I mean, they, they're hitting their shots, which is good, but there's been a few turnovers. Um, so they really got to make sure that they're uh, sharp. Testing. You know, it's going to take 100% to beat Milwaukee. They're, they're really, really good. History. What the? I keep getting these UFC links. I don't care about that. Okay, well, um, let's see. No, I know where this thing is. This is going to work. Hold on, you you saw the athlete testing database. Both playing a lot better. They, they don't look as nervous as they looked in game one. You know, they seem, you can they talk seem about tight. Track, um, we just talked about track. I don't know what else you know, What else are we talking about. I'm not going to skip ahead just, to an email, you know? Dude, you, you saw freaking UFC just like owned this search algorithm. I don't like. I can't get off of this stupid stuff. Oh, what would it be under? This is really bothering me now. Sorry for everybody who thought this podcast was going to be. Uh, on point today uh they know better than that oh, my resources you'd think it'd be under resources but it's not oh demar to rosen hits a 20 <laughs> you saw the news about hold on athlete test history that's what i want ha found it okay there it is 2022 track and field here we go first name Last name greatest. First. <laughs> okay, here we go. Long way around it. 2022. Shulian's been tested four times. They are testing her. Wow. I can confirm. There we go. There we go. Done. 2021. So she was 
be publicly suspended for half that 2021. Um, 11 times in 2021. Wow. That's wow. That's more than I expected. Yeah. So they're doing it. I mean, that's yeah. And it makes sense, but it's still, uh, they're not just tossing her one from time to time. They're, they're doing yeah. more than that. Yeah. Anybody else while I'm on this page before I forget, you want me to check uh, American athletes? Uh, I think I'm good. I was going to go back to like Gatlin's suspension to see, but it only goes back to 2015. Mm. Next email. Yeah. Uh, Noah from New York, formerly of Boston, writing in to further secure second best Noah who writes in status. I'll definitely let you guys down. I definitely let you guys down in not writing last week after my 800 defense. But in my defense, I did get a brutally timed case of COVID. Oh, man, I'm sorry. That knocked me out of the Boston Marathon. Oh, I'm even more sorry. Woof. I'm in the acceptance stage and already looking at a 2023 BQ to take advantage of pretty good shape and feeling good physically. Yeah, that sucks. Sorry, Noah. I apologize for getting upset about you not emailing in. <laughs> one note, that Mount Sac 800 didn't help my case one bit. <laughs> that is true. I get, I get it was windy, but 147, guys? With Bryce and almost the entire whole field laying off a 52-second uh, lap like it was sub-50. Seriously, guys, I'm happy with the collegiate running sub-144 and taking it to Brandon Miller. Yeah, that's this guy Moad Zahafi of Texas Tech who ran a 143. So There you go. That's that's fast. Yeah. And he's – yeah, he's right. Just the, the, the 147s like that. When those happen, it really, it really makes it tough. Well, I'm watching that race. The thing is, is Hopple just wants to kick. And yeah, that's fine. That's his identity. But he, so when he's the fastest guy in the race, you either need a rabbit who's really going to pull things out, or you need an aggressive front runner because he's fine. And Bryce Apple's timing is impeccable. He gets to to the spot at the right time. He he moved into first, right in those final steps. Um, okay, he says the subject of this is totally different, but does relate to Elliot Kipsang's three thirty three collegiate record. It is Elite's obsession with their watches that has now veered into Steph Curry in his mouth guard territory. <laughs> it was fun when Joshua Chepta guy would make a point to stop his watch and his world record. Seemed unique and maybe a one-time sort of thing. That all looks quaint compared with Kamar Etiang, the aforementioned Kamar Etiang's amazing Bermuda Games performance where he almost lost a race to Amos Barrosmeyer to exaggeratingly stop his watch around what looked like five meters before the finish line. <laughs> Note that he was looking at his watch on every lap, at least once a lap during the race as well. Side note, that race ruled, and I love everything about Etienne for the huge celebration and exaggerated on-off way he ran once he saw Bartlesmeyer coming. Then, in the Boston women's race, both athletes were often checking their watch, even in what would seem to be the turn-the-brain-off-and-just-race last mile of the race. The aforementioned Kip Sang used the last 10 meters of that epic final straight in his 1500 to stop his watch ahead of the line, so I have a few questions. For all these men and women, do you know that we have automatic timing in splits in 2022? Are you aware you can manually add Strava entries? Can you ask your coach to get splits for you? Is this as simple as millennials, Gen Z, millennial camp here, and our love of phones, tech ability, and inability to look away? We are nearing the point where an athlete gets nipped at the line because instead of running through, they stop their watch. Or when an elite marathon or runner does something really weird because the GPS symbol got wonky. Would love to hear your guys' thoughts that is Noah so this is interesting to me because technology has gotten 
to a point where you can pay less attention to your time and get way more information than you ever had before. When we were running, we had to hit split on our watch because it wasn't being captured anywhere else. Now, it, you could be on a run by yourself and you know every single split. And a race is just going to have way better results as well too. If you have automatic timing and a track meet, you're going to get all that stuff. Now, you could run in dual meets today where they're not getting every split. I get that. Um, but in some ways, people should be less reliant themselves on watches because it's doing more of the work for you. Yeah, and I, 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 I wonder... I mean, it's probably different for different people, but like some people, I think it's probably habit. You know, you train so much and you do so many things. So you're just like forced on that. Like just by just your body's just like, Hey, I'm reaching the end of the thing. So this is when I stop my watch. Yeah. So like, that's like a thing, which I get, um, for others, I could imagine it would be like, Hey, they have either a very particular race plan or just like, want to know where they're at to make sure they're not like falling mm-hmm. off the pace or mm-hmm. going too hard or stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing to an extent that's part of it. Um, it could just be some people who are really weird and they just like, like the, you know, I mean, like I said, chef guy with the stopping it at, at the world records, like it's kind of hilarious. Um, yeah. And I don't yeah. know if it was a bit or if it was just, or whatever it was, but uh, it's, it's a, it's a good question that I'm, yeah. I mean, if somebody ever, loses a race because of it or even in a really close finish if we see someone do it i'll kind of be like okay what's happening yeah and when chep the guy did it and when you see it now everybody makes the same joke about oh we'll upload that to strava yeah but and i don't know if it's happening more or less we're just paying attention to it more but i was surprised in the women's race because what are you looking at at that point are you trying to figure out your pace you could be the most. You could be very numbers obsessed, but in the last, just run. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like I get it. Hey, if you're even, you know, up until that last, like inside the last mile. Yeah. Like I mean, I guess if you're going, hey, I really want to go with a half mile to go. Am I watching? Oh, when you're looking at you're looking at distance, distance maybe. But- I mean, I, I'm I'm reaching, but like I'm just trying to figure out something that makes some sense. That actually makes a lot more sense. I mean, there's markers, obviously. Yeah, I'm yeah, say there is markers. So like, it, it, it's probably pushing it a little bit, but um, yeah. So maybe, yeah, okay, that that I could see. You're looking at distance from the finish line to time your move. Okay, I get that. The stopping the watch, I do think is habit because I used to do that too, even when it didn't, even when I had someone there timing me. I mean, I wanted to get all the splits and stuff, but at that point, it's like, all right, you missed the last split. You can do the math. Like, you don't need to do that. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's unnecessary. Like, and I still think it's kind of silly, but I, I can at least see a few reasons for it, maybe. Yeah. Um, the Etienne thing was just weird. That whole race was weird. So I don't know what was what was going on there, but um, yeah. Is this as simple as millennials, Gen Z? See, I, again, I would think it's the opposite. I would think they have more stuff taken care of for them, so they don't need to do it in the same way if you're going out for a run right now and you want to run five miles you can just go out the door and figure out as you go let technology do the work versus before 
you had GPS watches. You had to either drive it, <laughs> write down all the turns, or remember all the turns, or go on some sort of, you know, pedometer type website. I had there was a, a some sort of Google Map one that I would use all the time, and manually plot out manually you know plot out a route and then do it. Yeah. So like I like yeah, people are more reliant on technology now, but they should be less reliant on just staying glued to your watch the entire time because you can look at all that stuff after. I mean, can you can you imagine how obsessive you and I would have been in high school with GPS watches? Oh yeah, and like every single easy like we would guess so much. On I used easy to, and I drove them half the time because I would be like so curious. Yeah, but even then, like your car's odometer's not. Great. Oh, it's not perfect by any means, and it's taking different, slightly different routes, and you know, whatever. Yeah. But it was like, is that yeah. eight miles? Let's see. Yeah. Well, and then like elevation change and all this other stuff, and we would get the total distance, but we weren't looking at mile marks per se. No. We weren't like, oh, mile three to four was this or that. You get all that. Yeah. You get not only do you get that, you get everybody who's ever run there <laughs> this year. <laughs> This decade, you have so much information that I don't even know what you do with all of it. You just press your watch and keep going. But yeah, interesting point. I, I've thought about it myself. Just, I think with Kip saying maybe he thought the finish line was sooner than it was because he did do it way early. Yeah, it's that was it, you're right. That was like off by a ton, and I'm just kind of like, hmm. Yeah, like why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. Just keep going. You're going to run the collegiate record. Your time will be known forever. Right. Well, and the other part of this is how many times have we run in races with the amount of people recording it and the sophisticated timing equipment as these folks do? Zero. I mean, the Boston Marathon, you're going to get good data because it's good data for everybody else. But like we've never run in a meet like the Brian Clay Invitational in the fast heat in the 1500 where there's no doubt someone's going to get it. There's no question. Like so many things would have to go wrong for you to lose your time. Whereas when you and I are running in the Moapa Valley Invitational, it's like, hey, did coach start his watch? No. Damn it. He didn't start his watch. All right. Well, I think it was about seven seconds ago that the gun went off. Let's just add seven seconds. There's so many backups and redundancies and the thing is literally streamed to anybody in the world. So you could do it that way too. Um, But that didn't used to always be the case. I mean, that's not always the case if you're not that good. If you're at regular meets, if you're at all-comers meets, there's no guarantee. It's not being live-streamed, you know? Yeah. You don't necessarily have uh, the best, the most, you know, accurate. You you could be a little worried about the timing setup. That's all That's all fair. Again, if you run something like Boston, New York, it doesn't matter if you get – if you're the 30,000th person across the line. That's their business is to get that stuff right, so they usually do. But track meets – uh, I could see people being a little worried and wanting to back up. But not if you're Iliad Kipsang running the collegiate record. You should not worry about that. <laughs> yes. You should take your watch you should take your watch and hand to your coach before you start. That's what you should do. I I want to see more people starting their watch when they start. You never see that shot. Mm. Like on the on the starting line. Yeah. That's what I was wondering too. It's like, man, I saw him push it at the end. I didn't see anybody start at the finish. Or start at the at the start of the race. Um all right, some um Roast pork sandwich and Philly food updates. 
Um, thanks to AJ. Wrote in with some recommendations for roast pork sandwich. He says the most famous is Dinix. D-I-N-I-C apostrophe S. And he gave me where they're located. He says if you're willing to travel a bit, the best sandwich. Well, see, now i got to travel because you said the best sandwich. John's Roast Pork in South Philly. And then Porco's Porcheteria is a good option. Closer to Penn's campus. Also, he says, we're not as stringent about what goes on roast pork sandwich. So feel free to go with roasted red bell pepper, broccoli rabe, spinach, or your topping of choice. Well, I'm definitely going to broccoli rabe. That's what I got to do. Maybe add some additional stuff in here. Uh, Joe wrote in on the same topic. My in-laws are farmers, so I thought I'd weigh in on the vegetable conversation. Broccoli Rob is pronounced Broccoli Rob, just like Andy's friend from the office. Remember, we were saying Rob A. Yep, we were. I, I had no idea. We fancied it up, gussied it up a bit. As for the difference, Broccoli Rob is more bitter, while Broccolini is milder and a touch sweeter. Broccoli Rob is closely related to turnips versus standard broccoli. And broccolini is a hybrid between regular broccoli and a vegetable known as Chinese broccoli or Chinese kale. Hmm. Maybe that's what we had at uh, – we're about Din Tai Fung. I think it might have been called Chinese broccoli. Oh. Now that I think about it. I don't know. I've been several times since then. Yeah, you I, should know. More than I don't recognize – it doesn't sound familiar, but I could, be, I could be off on that. As for my other thoughts, I recently discovered – there's a Mount Everest marathon where they run up for half, then turn around and come back down. In Kipchoge's retirement, if he got into the gimmick game, which would you rather see him in, the Mount Everest marathon or the Antarctica marathon? Random question for sure. Just something that was swirling in my mind. Hope all is well. That is Joe, formerly uh, 75 minutes north of New York City, now 90 minutes north of New York City. Drink. I think I'd want to see Kipchoge in the Antarctica marathon because – he could actually run. Yeah, it would still. He could still like be like, "Wow, Oof. he ran two oh eight in wearing seven parkas, running up a marathon. Running up. Also, he'd get hurt potentially at Everest. We don't want that, right? Yeah, Everest is. I mean, don't get me wrong. Antarctica is scary too, but uh, Everest is even scarier. How flat is Antarctica? I mean, I'm just assuming. I'm a, it would I was be. assuming flat, but I honestly don't know. How flat is Antarctica? Uh, geography of Antarctica is dominated by its South Pole location, thus by ice. So he'd need special shoes. Which he's used to. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think that would cut it. I don't think Alpha Flies would cut it. I think that would be the opposite of what, what you'd need. He needs those like tennis rackets on the bottom of Alpha Flies. Yeah. Yeah, well, the big sp- he needs just these nine-inch spikes. I think he could close. He could more closely resemble running. So I'll go with Antarctica. All right, we got one more. It's a voicemail. Oh, from yeah, from Ward in uh, Belgium. It it's a voice memo because I wouldn't know how to call you guys, let alone know what that would cost from where I am based. I believe he's in Belgium. I I, that sounds right. I, I think you're accurate. So yeah, here we go. I'm excited. Hey guys, Wacht from uh, Brussels, Belgium here. Uh, loving the pronunciation talk. I'd like to, I'd like to claim, or maybe think at least, that I was the original by helping to explain the pronunciation of uh, at Kipchoge Marathon in Enschede, I believe it was. Um, especially liking now the the Philly vibe that the podcast seems to have gotten. Uh, why you may ask? Well, 
my soon-to-be wife. And by that I mean, by the time this podcast airs, she will be my wife, I guess. Um, well, she's from the Philly area. Um, thus, I think I can also come and chime in about these Philadelphia pronunciations. Uh, specifically, there's there's a river there, and I believe the locals, they call it the Schuylkill, Schuylkill, something like that. But the word is uh, of Dutch origin, and as a native Dutch speaker, I always feel the urgent need to correct locals and my wife that uh, we would actually pronounce it Schuylkill. Uh, nobody, nobody there has ever appreciated my corrections, though, so figured I'd, I'd share them with you guys. With that, peace, boys. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, That's terrific. Thank you. Yeah, he did start it. Enchida. And uh, what was the other? Uh, there was two names there. One was the name for the airport and one was the name for the city. Right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. I don't remember which but was. But the, the Sky, the Skykel? This Is that what it was? This... Yeah. I, I don't know how to say it. I'll ask when I'm there. I mean, he when the way he said it with the actual pronunciation oh, sounds I know. I've heard much better. River, but uh, I like Skykel as a, yeah. Let's, hey, it's, again, you know, we butcher every original pronunciation. And I, by we, I mean the U.S., but then more accurately, Kevin and I. <laughs> Hey, I'm trying my best over here. You'll, oh, you'll appreciate for sure. You'll appreciate Austin because they just completely mangle words on purpose. But it's like you—that's the way. Like in Guadalupe is how you'd say it, right? You've heard that word before. Yes. So like they say Guadalupe, like they purposefully do that sort of stuff, and they're like, "This is the way to say it." And that's there's like a lot of different examples of that where they just take the wrong pronunciation and make it correct or make it make it the uh, accepted way but congrats man yes congratulations that's awesome i hope the wedding went uh went amazing yeah uh call in i want an update like on how everything went uh either text uh written or uh voicemail from the philly area that's rough i hope she's not in philly sports except the eagles you can like the eagles that's actually like anybody but the sixers pretty much um or just don't be an obnoxious sixers fan um yeah, that's terrific. That is terrific. And uh, so my son has to do a project on a European country, and I'm like trying to influence him to do Belgium. So it ties into this. Greatest beer makers in the world. Well, he had which his should la- be the, the center la- of his report, I would imagine. Yeah, <laughs> the last soccer team he was on, they all were countries. Oh, well, and, cool. and clubs too. It was very confusing. In the spirit of soccer, it was really confusing. We couldn't just stick to one. It's like, like Manchester United was playing against like Italy. It was weird. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, he was Belgium, so he knows that it's a place. And then I showed him Belgium like soccer highlights. So hopefully it'll be Belgium that he picks to do his project. Yeah, so. I'm still hoping to go there uh, next year. So. That'd be awesome. Nothing's gonna stand in your way. I can't think of a single thing. It's all gone perfectly ruin. so far. So yeah, it should continue. Um, can't wait. We need we need more people calling in from around the world. That would be terrific. Yeah, if, no, if I love listening it. from like, a foreign country. Yeah, pronunciations, food, what a track. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. We had. Do you remember when we had? Uh, we went to Eugene. I think his his name was Nicholas. He ran with us. Yeah. And he was the guy who wrote in. And I made some confident predictions about what would happen in the 2016 election. 
um, to him while on a run, and then he emailed later and was like, "Hey, so about that." <laughs> yeah, I do. I do recall. Yeah, yeah. So we have deep roots in Belgium, is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I love Belgium. Uh, like I said the, the the beer alone. I mean, I'm sure there's there's way more to it than that, but come on. Didn't he say? Didn't he say he's a, a native Dutch speaker though? Yeah. So is he from the Netherlands then? I, yeah. What's the and and I want to say Belgium like the, there's multiple they speak multiple languages across but like it's like German Dutch and English or it might even be one more I, I'm not a hundred percent sure because I'm yeah, not yeah. smart Fish, official language of Belgium um, the country has distinctive regions Dutch speaking Flanders to the north French speaking um, yeah. in the south German in the east okay I was I was mostly there bilingual capital brussels okay so well that's like switzerland too isn't it like french italian german on either side something like that yeah it's 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 crazy impressive um okay so i take when i was on my honeymoon in italy we met some people from uh from belgium Belgium? and they i think they had spoke three languages okay because of course everyone else does yeah all right so dutch so he's from well okay yeah he's probably from the north of belgium interesting okay this is good i probably knew that at one point but when he said yeah like his people move around a lot over there too it's true it's everything's so much so close together and Mm -hmm. like you can yeah it's awesome it's like the east coast all right we'll leave it there house of run at gmail.com is the email address philadelphia people i know i've disparaged your basketball team but if you have recommendations about where i should go in your fair city please send them (laughs) to me i don't send you the worst spots or james harden's stomping grounds There's no way James Harden actually like lives there full time. He just goes. Oh no! I think he flies out to like Vegas and every yeah. other night. Yeah. Probably New York a little closer. Or New York. Yeah, it's back and forth. But. All right. You know, just once again, houseofrungino.com. We will talk to you guys next week. Jess Gannis, pulls up seven, going to the fourth. <laughs> this is tense. <laughs>